0: This Gospel message is brought to you by the Redeemed Christian Church of God, Fountain of Love, Aberdeen, UK. Open your heart to receive this life-changing Word of God.
1: You praise him, God bless you. Hallelujah! Come on, give praise unto the Lord, give him a mighty clap offering in this place. Amen and amen. Hallelujah! Tell your neighbor, neighbor, I'm coming to celebrate with you. Will you come and celebrate with me? hope your neighbor replied you. Come on, shake somebody's hand and wake up them and take your seat in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So I was sharing with the workers this morning. I I, I don't know what value you can place on having a wonderful time in worshiping God. You know, all the money in the world, all the positions, they cannot you know compared to that lifting that we enjoy when we come before the most high. And I pray that you will constantly and continually be our Lord in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, once again for the opportunity to worship you. Lead us as we go into your word. Speak to us specially title is uncovering the enemy's tactics and strategies now success in life depends on two things to be honest with you it depends on what you do and what you don't do you agree with me all right success depends on your move and the enemy's or the opponent's move if you have competitors you're not going to succeed in business as long as they're succeeding more than you All right? The best you can get or the least you can get in business is that there should be a stalemate between you and your competitor. So I'm doing McDonald's, he's doing uh, Burger King. You know, there must be stalemate. But if if the McDonald's is dominated everything, I'm in trouble if I'm Burger King. You agree with me? All right? So just it is. It's a constant rule of life. There must be a balance between the opposition that you are facing and the move that you are making. Every balance team is composed of Good attack and a good defense. And in actual fact, the whole of Ephesians chapter 6 tells us a lot about defense. So, we will talk about the defense today. Amen. We will talk about the enemy's tactics to stop you from entering into newness. If God has spoken it, be aware that the devil has also got his own plans. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 11, he said, Let Satan take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. He's got his own devices. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, goes around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So he's at work. And so don't let us bury our heads in the sand. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. What does he say? He said that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. Uh, one of the commonest tactics of the devil is to make sure that you don't know that he's working. And there are many people that they are all actually under demonic influence and oppression and they just think it's a normal thing in life. So, in a moment, we'll look at a few things. And Jesus Christ, our Lord, typified that just by form of introduction, that when he was going to the cross to achieve his greatest success, which is because the Bible says he came to destroy the works of the devil and he destroyed the works of the devil at the cross. Didn't he? When he was going there, he had this settled in his mind. If you look at Matthew chapter 16, the Lord had this settled in his mind without any shadow of that that was going to that cross. But opposition arose as well. Peter started pressing against him and right there and then he settled it. I'm praying that whatever position is set against you, your marriage, your family, your finance, your spiritual life, the Lord will crush it for you today in Jesus' name. So we shall examine very quickly three areas out of many, just three areas out of many, that the enemy uses to stop a person from progressing into their glorious and wonderful new phases of life three areas where the enemy uses to hinder a person from progressing into their glorious and wonderful new phases of life number 1 deception deception this is devil's main name and you better take him seriously amen the bible calls him the deceiver in second john chapter 1 verse 7 actually first john i mean chapter 1 verse 7 first john he's calling the deceiver you know he has gone into the world as the antichrist Common areas of deception of the enemy, I mentioned them very quickly. Number one, name-calling and labeling. It makes a person believe that he is what he is not. Usually, a negative name is attached to a person. In Luke chapter 1, verse 36, there was a woman that the Bible said was either called barren. Elizabeth was her name. And many times, the devil has still stigmatized many of us. Progress that we are not making is simply because the devil has said that, well, you can't make it. It's called us names. It's hindered us. In Acts chapter 4 verse 13, there was another instance there where the disciples were called ignorant. And because they were called ignorant, they were not expecting them to succeed. They were living in a world in which the rabbis were exceedingly educated They were vast in the theology and the scriptures of old. But there we are, the enemy has smeared them, has spewed lies against them. Making mention that, you know, they are ignorant people. But praise God. As I will tell you one of the things that you need to do when the enemy labels you. What you need to do. they, 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 They did that thing. And God helped them. Maybe you are carrying a label. Maybe you are carrying a label by the virtue of your birth, by virtue of your background. You know working class family or you are born in a part of the world and it's part of the strategies of them me to rub it in and make you to be called the name that god has not called you never forget that no one can rise above the names that they are called and they have believed no one in fact jacob believed his name so much he started acting it until in genesis chapter 32 god helped him and changed his name for him abraham who was first called Abraham, believed that name, and his wife believed that name. I don't know who gave them that name. No, Abraham, Abraham. Abraham means father of one or whatever, and then Sarah Sarah means mother of one, and then God changed it to Abraham, father of many. And that's in Genesis chapter 15. I believe that God's plan is for you to identify the wrong name you are called and to have it changed. So, how do you deal with it, number one? Prove them wrong. Amen. I said, do what? If people call you bad names, do what? Prove them wrong. I'm going to share this one with with a lot of caution, and and, and I pray, you know, it will land very well as as I share it. When I first came to this city, there was, you know, I I was kind of forced, you know, there are very few people. Um, you know, of African extraction that were in the city at that time. And I I, I met a label immediately, even before I did anything at all. And that label was, and because of some of the that people have had with um, you know, people with my background, um, so they they talk of what is called African time. You've heard of that before. And so anywhere I go, they keep saying African time. And and the people just just shove it in my face most of the time. And I know behind that, there are many other things that could have been attached onto it. But you probably don't hear that much often anymore. You know, reason why? Because somebody deliberately makes sure that you prove them wrong. I made sure that at every turn of time when we have a program, we start in time, we finish in time, and that may be a little example for you. But you can apply that to every area of your life. I've been to programs, you know, that you know people are organised, and and I, I I won't even do it like that. People start 30 minutes later. I can't do that. And none, none of my guys, you know, none of the guys, we ever do that. You, oh, that is a program. I know, you know, no apologies at all. Because you made a deliberate effort to say that if you call me this name, I will not answer that name. If people call you lazy, make sure you work hard. If people call you loud-mouthed, make sure you keep your voice down. You know, don't make excuses. We make excuses. If people call you, you know you are very short in what to do. Don't keep arguing. Look in what? We are all getting better. And so, when you are labeled by the devil, it's not, you should not define your own life. That's where I'm going. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But wherever they have labeled you, work upon it. And I'm very confident the Lord will help you to be victorious in the name of Jesus Christ. What is the what's number, two, number two area where deception of the devil comes? I call it accusation. Is the number one accuser. After Revelation chapter 12 verse 10 calls him the accuser of brethren. That's why if you go around accusing people, please stop it. Don't do devil's work. Some people, they can accuse the dead. The dead that is dead, about to bury, even at the time when the person is about to be lowered to the ground, they will have something negative to say about it. It's a very bad habit. You know, some people, they can accuse anybody. You did this, you do that. Yes, there are occasions when we need to make known unto people their errors and wrongdoing, but don't let your life be filled with constantly accusing people. You are not an accuser. Amen? I say you are not an accuser. Amen. The devil is the accuser. Amen? And how does he accuse us? He accuses us with historical facts about our lives. That you remember the time you committed that sin. You remember that X, Y, Z thing you did. You remember, you remember, you remember. But when the devil tries to remind you about, or accuses you rather, about whatever he thinks you have done wrong, or that you possibly have even done wrong, let the devil know that it's not every accused that is guilty. And not even every guilty that is eventually convicted. And not everyone that is convicted that will eventually be sentenced. And peradventure you are sentenced. what can happen to you? You can be pardoned. Somebody said the devil reminds you of your past. What should you do? Remind him of his future. Where's his future in the lake of fire. Don't let the devil block your life. You know, somebody was sharing somewhere. Was it on Friday or it was Kenan that was sharing very, very profound, what she dropped. You know, I think I was given an example of a person in the scripture and instead of that person could have been saying, oh, I've just committed this. Did anybody remember that story she shared? You know, eh? Jacob, yes. The one Jacob made thank you very much. Jacob would have just said, I've just swindled my brother. I've just, yes, God showed himself to him. Don't, 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 don't lock up your life because the devil is accusing you. In the midst of your weaknesses, God can move greater than you can imagine. You know, many times as a preacher, we go around to go and minister, and, and uh, by the special grace of God, great opportunity. And I was in a part, different part of the world. And, and I remember I, I, I prayed as best as I could, and I got so tired, I wasn't even touching heavens at all. And I said, Ah, no, Lord, this is not working. After a time, I couldn't even pray anymore. And I slept so soundly. And I traveled miles to go and minister there. And when I go, I just, I hate people saying, Ah, oh, I wish we, it didn't come. You know? Even when I come to church in the morning, I say, Lord, you will not be so unlucky that we just spew nonsense over you. So, I I tend to take it seriously. And so, there I was. I was so dry, so empty. And by the time I got to, God forgot to let me know that it's not my prayers. When I got to the pulpit, I was still hearing testimony until a few days back of mighty things that God of his own accord did. The healings and the deliverances. What am I saying? The devil was accusing me. He said, look at you, Mr. Preacher. You didn't even pray well. But I could have fallen for his accusation. But I made up my mind. I said, no, I'm not going to fall for that. I'm going somewhere with the Lord. It is the Lord's doing, and it's going to be marvelous in the eyes of the people. Hallelujah. If you're going to enter into your new place, please do not allow the devil to successfully accuse you. He will accuse you, but don't let him do it successfully. Number three. Area of deception. Wrong priorities. And the easiest way I can explain that is what we call putting the cart before the horse. Amen. Wrong words? Priorities. When you say you put a cart before the horse, the cart is there ready to carry you. The horse is there ready to pull the cart. But as long as you put, since horses do not push, they only pull. As long as you put the cart before the horse, there will be no movement. You agree with me? The horse is ready. The cart is ready. And so it is. There are many ingredients in our life that may be present. Your business is okay. Your job is all right. Your health is okay. Your spiritual life is all there but as long or the potentials for them are there let's put it that way but as long as you put the wrong thing first which is usually the devil's tactics the person will not move into the new place that's why he says in matthew chapter 6 verse 3 Seek ye first the kingdom of god and what his righteousness and all these things put the horse before there and the cat will also follow amen we must get our priorities right. Jesus Christ, in Luke chapter twelve, verse fifteen, he said that the life of a man of a person does not consist in the abundance of what he has. I want to thank God severely for sincerely for a man like General Vasir who has demonstrated unto us that you can you can live in, in, in you, you can you can have the good things of God without you being you know, hard by them. That is, you can own things without those things owning you. You understand what I'm saying? You know? The church, we, we, we were vacillated between two extremes before. There was a time, many of you may not know the history of the church that much. There was a time that if you are a Christian or a believer, you are born again. You are supposed to be totally haggard and ragged and, and, and unattractive. Anybody remember? And nobody was interested. And then at the time, people then swung to the other extreme again. And what was the extreme? People then were just constantly talking about prosperity and chasing things of life. We don't talk about morals. We don't talk about. We don't talk about the genuine work with the Lord. Then God, in His mercy, raised up another crop of people, you know, of which you know, you know, the, the the precious man of God that I mentioned, you know, was was a major factor in that particular move. And that you can have things without those things having you. Amen. That you can, you can enjoy things in Christ without you being ruled by them. I, I came from the a from background in which I still feel guilty until the Lord set me free. And I thank God that he set me free. Actually, he put me in a situation in which I'm the most unlikely person to even have any decent living. You know, when God calls you out and then for things that caused you to, to you to be a pastor and insisted that you must just do it alone. But God said, look, you know what? I will prove unto you. And there are some people that are the old stock that I was talking about. That's why I brought that prayer for those in the workers' group this morning. You know, because they are serving the Lord, and serving the Lord not with gladness but with pain. So they are bitter. Anytime they see people that are doing when they talk it down, they say, is it money? That's part of the deception. Is it money we will eat? And they are lying. Because they wanted it. You understand what I'm saying? And then there are some, they can't handle it. What they do? They then go around begging. But God has been gracious to many. And I can say to a degree that you don't beg, you are not bitter, and yet God still takes care of you. And I pray that shall be your portion. And we shall all leave it out. Above all, make sure you get your priority right. Put Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 and 24 on the screen for us, please. Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. Praise the name of the Lord. I hope you are getting something out of this. I got something to download to you. Am I correct? They call it download. So, so all right, let's read that together. It's very, very important. And I, I, if, if there's any passage of the Bible I would like you to you know, commit to memory or always bring back to mind, please let it be. Let's, see. let's read together. I want to go, please. Hallelujah. Let not our glory be in all those things. He didn't say the wise man should not be wise. You agree with me? He didn't say the rich man should not be rich. Do you agree with me? He didn't say the strong man, the political people, the people with authority, people in industry. He said they should not. He didn't say that. He said, but do not let that define them wrong priorities. It's part of the tactics of the enemy. Don't let that define you. Your money should not define you. Your job should not define you. Whoever you are. But let it be known that where you want to raise your head and say, by the special grace of God, I know Jesus. And that's one of the things Jesus Christ himself mentioned when he was talking unto the people in his generation. He said, I'm not going to lie that I don't know God. I know God. Please don't be ashamed that you know God. There's some people have false humility. Oh, you know, I know him. Amen. I see visions. Hallelujah. I hear God. I want to hear more. And we must press on and press hard into that. Okay, how many have we mentioned under deception? Are you sure? All right. Number four, finally, under deception. The enemy, recapping again, may not only deceive a person by wrong priorities. He may not only deceive a person by what again? Ah, you need to follow me. Accusation. Or, he may not only deceive a person by what again? Name calling. He may deceive a person by telling him or her you are alone. That you are alone. And he knows how to whisper it. He whispers it very clearly. He says, you are your own. So all this thing that you are talking about. And tell me, it's a very common thing in our time when people are very individualistic. You know? He started with it in the Garden of Eden when he told the first couple that God actually did not love them. That's part of you are alone. He said, God he said God has an agenda. He has an agenda. He just wants to use you. He just, it's only about him, not about you. You can also tell you are alone by saying you are defenseless. In Judges chapter 6 verse 13, that you are defenseless. You know, the man cried out, he said, Lord, where are your promises of old? See, these are some of the things some of us have heard from the enemy. But today we shall hear them no more. That there's no help for you, that you are, you know. He said, Gideon said to you, oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all these miracles which our fathers told us about? Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? Where are all these testimonies they say Sunday after Sunday? Where are all these proclamations the pastors make? Week in, week out. Where are all these declarations that our preachers make? Why has it not happened to me? Why has that child... And by the way, the Lord asked me to test somebody here. That child will not be a burden to you for life. I remember. That child will not be a burden to you. Because if the Lord says he's going to turn it around, that child will not be burden In fact, that child will be a burden-bearer for other people. We'll be that strong, we'll be that together, we'll be that sorted. Lord just brought that back to my mind now. You know, mentioned that to me, I believe, yesterday. Hallelujah. So the devil in me is very clever. He says things to people. And you must learn not only to know the voice of God, but the voice of the enemy. Amen. You must be able to recognize his voice when he speaking. Jesus recognized the voice of Satan when Peter was speaking. He said, get thee behind me, Peter. You remember? Or get me behind me, what? Satan. Because Satan was speaking through Peter at that time. Hallelujah. He also makes it known that you are the mercy of the devil and circumstances. Mark chapter 4, verse 38. You are stuck and not going anywhere. Many of those, but the truth is that Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, I will not leave you nor forsake you. Oh, I'm going to amen, unto that word. Amen. The truth is not in the fact that you are alone. You are not alone. Hallelujah. The truth is not that you are not, def- you are not defenseless. Hallelujah. He said in Hebrews that I will not leave you nor forsake you. Matthew 28, verse 20. He says that I will be with you to the end of the earth. It is words that change people. Amen. It's words that if we don't take these words in, there will be no change. There's no magic about it. We've had so much of nonsense by the devil, including myself. Every day the devil speaks. We are here to hear the right now. Will you take it in? Will you believe it? That the game is not over. That you are not cornered. Hallelujah. In Romans 8, verse 32. He said, If he he, he that, that, that did not withhold the son, Romans 8:32. Let's read that word together. Just to gladden your heart that God is on our side, the lie of the devil will not stand. You will move to the new face of your life. Amen. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Amen. The devil is a liar. And I mean it not as a cliche. I mean it from the bottom of my heart. The devil lies a lot. Hallelujah. But by the special grace of God, He said, he Who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all? How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If he did did not hold back, Jesus will give you all things. He will give us this city. People will be saved in their large numbers. You will know the joy of serving the Lord. You will never have any miscarriage again. I don't know what that one is about. I'm not aware of anybody, but if, you, if that is applicable unto you, Jesus has sacrificed his life for you. Or God has given Jesus' life for you. Giving you children is something very small in his hand. And he will do it very, very well and abundantly for you. Amen. So we must be have, beware of all this deception and counteract them. Amen to that? Amen. So number one, tactics of the devil is what? The, number two, dysfunction. Dysfunction. Dysfunction means chaos. 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 The devil thrives in an atmosphere of chaos. That's why, when in a home you discover that there's constant chaos, you are not understanding one another. 100% of the time, the devil is about to strike somebody in that house. Don't joke with it. In a church, when there's the worst thing, I that's the very worst thing I just do not want. You start hearing people struggling here, or talking there, or arguing there, or haji-baji here and there. I know 100% of the time the devil is about to strike big time. Big time. He thrives in atmosphere chaos. And it pays him well, make everything, let's make everything mashed up and upside down. And then he can rear his head. We don't know who has done what. There are some people like that. When there's a quarrel in the family, maybe as little children, and the parents came around, you know, and asked, who did this? So, it happened more to me when we were in primary school. They said, class, who was making noise here? There are some of the students. Maybe they, will come, they, they were making noise so that they would not identify them. It's not me, it's not me, it's not me, it's not me. But wise teacher, we also just be foolish. A foolish teacher, we just play along. The first thing you do, when there's chaos, what do you do? You calm everything down. Everybody keep quiet. And then you can then start teasing things out. Dysfunction. There are many lives that the enemy has thrown up so much of dysfunction so that he cannot allow them to move into their next phase. Nothing new can start until there's calmness. And I'll mention three, four areas in which God demonstrated that clarity unto us. And you will insist. In actual fact, after this point, we will rise up and pray and sit down again. It's so important. Amen. It's so so important. That there must by every means become a situation. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. He said, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You remember in your Bible, did he say that? He said the earth was without form. That is, there was chaos everywhere. But the spirit of the Lord did what? Brooded over the earth. And then he began to speak. If anything creative will come out from you, you must disallow the dysfunction of the devil. If anything creative will come, there must be calmness. Don't allow anybody to throw something in your backyard. That's not the time to argue. That's not the time to get angry. It is the tactics of the enemy. The Bible also makes it known to me in John chapter 6, verse 10. John chapter 6, verse 10. Beginning from around verse 1 to 13. Jesus Christ was going to feed the five times, you remember. And they were all hungry. And this boy brought his own little lunch pack and then decided to split it, Jesus that was, between the people. What was the first thing Jesus did when he wanted to do it? What was the first thing he did? What did he ask them to do? Sit down. Everybody calm down. And that must be a rule in your life. When there's so much noise and I can't hear you, can't hear me, first thing, everybody, quiet. We're not discussing this anymore. We're not talking about it anymore. Let there be calmness. First, everybody, sit down. It's not a matter of whether you are wrong or right. It's a matter of, we want what? Calmness. So, if there will be multiplication, there must be calmness. There will be multiplication. There must be calmness. If there will be growth. There must be calmness. In Mark chapter 4, this is 35 to 39. In verse 39 specifically, Jesus was crossing onto the other side to go and release the man called the demoniac of Gadara. But there was a storm. There was chaos. Because the devil knew that in the midst of the chaos, Jesus will not reach his destination. But thank God for Jesus. He calmed the sea. So, as a principle for your life, if there's going to be advancement into new territory, there must be calmness. Dysfunction must depart from our lives. There must be no dysfunction. Some, every day of the week, there is a bad news somewhere. Some, every hour, that's another thing I believe the Lord said to our hearts, that no longer shall you hear evil news from abroad anymore. That I brought me just be London, that I brought me just be Birmingham, that I brought me just be somewhere. No more, no more. Because so many at times the ears are so full of all these dysfunctional things, and there's chaos, the heart is troubled. But the Lord said there will be calmness now. And in Mark chapter 5, verses 38 to 42, in verse 40 specifically. Mark 5, 38 to 43 verse 40 specifically, verse 40 please. Just another example of where you need to fight against the dysfunction of the enemy. And they ridiculed him. That was when Jesus Christ was going to raise up a child that was dead. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. The previous verses said that they were outside; people were willing and crying. Jesus Christ, I'm not going to raise any dead here. So, if anything is dead in our lives, <laughs> if things are not working, the first thing is that there must be calmness. Dysfunction must stop. And once the dysfunction stops, Jesus can move in. Rise on your feet with me. I said, we need to go to pray. This particular point requires action. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Your prayer will be every area of chaos in our lives. Let there be quietness now. Every area of chaos in the family, let there be quietness now. Some finances are chaotic, let them be quiet. Some spiritual lives are chaotic, let them be quiet. We're going to decree right now in the name that's above every name. And I want us to pray it as a confessional prayer. Confessional prayer is that with one word, with one voice, with one heart, we shall all say the same thing. And then the Spirit of the Lord will move us to pray it. So together we say, say, in the name of Jesus. Okay, let's take it together one more time. In the name of Jesus, I command every stormy water, every noise and commotion in my life, in my family, in my community, be still right now. In the name of Jesus. Take it one more time and say, in the name of Jesus, I command every stormy water, every noise and commotion in my life, in my family, in my circumstances, be still right now in Jesus' name. Lift up your voice and turn that to your prayer. Every area there is commotion. There's some of you who are going through commotion with your in-laws. Nothing seems to be working, but the Lord, we're quiet in every storm right now. It's by your own proclamation and by your own declaration that you will experience the peace of the Lord. The Bible says that the word of our mouth shall be what will release us or bind us. Be loose right now by the word of your mouth. And the word of your mouth is that stormy waters shall come down. In the name of Jesus, prayer shall take a front place in your life in the place of prayer in the name that's above our names thank you heavenly father in Jesus mighty name we pray amen. let your amen be loud and clear amen. God bless me, be seated I take the last point very quickly what's the first area that the enemy pushes against us advancing into our newness number one area number two area it seems I've only talked to ten people here today Hallelujah. The first area is what? Yes. And you will confess in the name of Jesus. Yes. I, ah, come on, come on, come on, come on. Child. We are already in the mood of prayer, okay? In the name of Jesus. Yes. I am above deception of the enemy. Because Christ is in me. Every deception shall be exposed, shall be expanded, shall be checked out of my life. And they uh, we have no place in me. Say amen unto thy. Say amen unto that. Amen. Say, amen unto that. Amen. say a mighty amen unto that. Amen. The second area is what, what we call it again. What do we call it? I come on, say it so that the devil can be afraid. Dysfunction. Dysfunction. So we confess in the name of Jesus. Dysfunction. Every dysfunctional area of my life. Dysfunction. Every dysfunctional area of my family. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, there shall be calmness. No more dysfunction, no more chaos, but peace over my family, over my life, over my affairs, in the name of Jesus. And so shall it be in Jesus' name. Number three, and finally, dissension. Dissension. That is... He is the author of quarrels and rebellion. Quarrel and rebellion. Many are suffering because of their rebellion against their biological parents. You've been in communities before where they've told you that your parents are the ones that are working against you. you there are people that you cannot afford to rebel against. The worst you can do is to walk away. Rebellion. Dissension. Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, took it so seriously. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, took it so seriously that he begged the people. Is it on the screen, please? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. He begged them. Is it frozen? Now I plead with you, brothers and sisters. By the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. And that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. I will do anything and everything to make sure that within my family, within the church, there is unity. I will do anything because I know Psalm 133 verses 1 to 3 that there the Lord come up, put it up for us. Let's read it together. You know it together. We we know it already. What does it say? Behold, how good and uh, it is for to do what? Verse 2. It is like the precious oil upon the head. Running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garment. Verse 3, very important. We read it loud and clear. It is like the Jew of Haman descending upon the mountains of Zion. Read that clearly now. For there. What? What? Pay any price to maintain unity. Only fools allow disunity to thrive. Sometimes I look like a fool, but I know it is wisdom. When people just want to create, you know, this disunity, and you know, you're against this. And I've mentioned before, there are some people, they have been so tutored in fighting, they cannot function in an environment where there's no fight. I mentioned that to you before. I even know somebody that mentioned that to me that is too quiet here. I've been around for three months, no fight. I Are mean, you people normal? And I'm serious. Some people, they've grown up that way. Their life rule is that, you know, dog eat dog. Their life rule is that, look, ah, is this is not an exciting life. Ah, since Ruben came back, I've not bite against him. What am I doing? Have I lost my edge? <laughs> Hallelujah. No, that's not our portion. Amen. But wise people, they will do everything. Including keep quiet just to maintain unity. Including allowing themselves to be trampled upon. Once you do that, you've disempowered the devil. Once you've done that, immediately you see progress coming. And I have no doubt in my mind. Progress is on the way for us in Jesus' name. Very quickly, in conclusion, the secrets of the devil to some extent have be revealed to us a little bit more. You agree with me? Did you agree with me? And so, because of that, his operation will be limited. The devil works best in darkness. You remove the darkness, and is in trouble. And so, by the grace of God, lights have been shown now. Because now, he will not be able to deceive you anymore. He will try, but he will fail. Chaos will be a thing of the past in our lives, disunity will not be seen in our midst anymore. Because the Lord's hand will walk mightily in our midst. But remember, above all things, we must get our priorities right. I need to extend my time a little bit because it's still in my heart. I will pray for people today. In conclusion, seek first the kingdom of God and what? Above all things, get your priorities right. Is your work with Jesus still okay? You know, some youth, they used to joke and say around me that, uh, how are you with Jesus? Are you tight? No? Are you tight or are things falling apart? It's a question you can answer. You don't need to tell me. Is it as it used to be or things are falling apart? In your own heart, you know where you are. This is the time to look up unto him. And say, Lord, from now on, the hearse shall be before the cart. No longer will any foreign god take his place. No longer will any foreign god take his place. Not in your life. Not in my life. With all our heads bowed before we rise up to pray. Please, where you are. You know how things are. You know where things are. Even if you start from, no boring God can take your place. Even if you start from there, just say, Lord, I've elevated some things above you. I've even said I will not follow you anymore because of my circumstances. But that is not the plan and purpose of God. The antics of the enemy has been exposed unto you today. It's now for you and I to draw close unto him. Thank you, Father. We give you worship, honor, and praise. Lord, for as many of your children who at this very moment, they've made that commitment to draw closer to you, to reverse their old ways of doing things. Hear from above. Accept your people. Move with your power in our situations. Let your name be glorified. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. We will pray some unusual prayers. Maybe unusual to some of you, but not to some. So we rise on our feet, if you may, please. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ calls the church what? Quiz. Eh? Grand? The bride? No. Did he? What did Jesus call the church? Anybody? I like teasing or sometimes like that the bride his body, is he the one that called it that? that he spoke himself he said my house shall be called (laughs) it's not profound (laughs) Greatest answers are simple answers and you can trace them back to where the person was coming from what is this place? What is this place? House of God. You say, House of God? It's always a Fountain of love. So we'll pray some serious prayers now. Just two of them. Amen. And as we pray, you will see the mighty hand of God. You know, I've been running with this theme of prayer, brethren. You know that. that it's so, so important. And I can guess a few of us we are catching on already prayer must soak our lives you know a person gets to a stage that you want to define your life you want to define your ministry I'm trusting God that the little the Lord has allowed me to come and join hands with you to do in this city will be defined by prayer Amen. that if any monument will be written if he allows so give me more years, fine even if he says come home now, let it be That anywhere that man was, prayer took place there. So I'm believing God that the spirit of prayer will take hold of every one of us today. Because that is one thing the enemy cannot handle. And we have many initiatives for prayers. I mentioned the one that the men pray, and we started seeing results. We have money prayer, we have many things we are doing. But that's not what the topic is this moment. What I want us to pray about is that every form of staleness in your life, you know this is a month of new beginnings. It's a month of newness. I feel already some people feeling stale. Things are just the same. No excitement. Is it not come to church? Usually, they can do till we start, followed by Borafemi uh, We play the keyboard. Then after that, Pastor Nickel will go and take the microphone. A few people will come. Is it not? And yet, the Bible says they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The mark that God is there is that there's freshness. That you respect, you can do the same thing, but there's some fresh aspect to it. There's a spirit called the spirit of cobweb. That's why I said we're going to pray our usual prayers. There's a spirit called what? Do we know what cobweb is? Some of us may not. You grew up in a very poor area, you don't have cobwebs there. Because spiders, they weave what is called cobwebs. And they usually weave it in a place where there's no activity. Because there's no way you can weave a cobweb over my head because I'm moving. You can't. There's no way you can weave a cobweb to the entrance to my car. Because I go in and come out. Except when I travel, I pack it. There's no way. So when there is no activity, when there's no life, cobwebs grow. And the spiritual times, there are cobwebs that have covered some lives. And when you say nothing is happening, it's because there are cobwebs there. And so the spirit of cobwebs, we shall resist and deal with this afternoon. So that's why I gave you the long introduction about the house of prayer. (laughs) Because in the moment now, I'm expecting that this place will be turned into a ball of raging spiritual fire. Where the heavens we hear and we attend unto our Christ. Amen. Did you hear what I'm saying? So together we say, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus I command every spirit of cobweb that has invaded. Any area of our lives depart right now in the name of Jesus. Lift up your voices and pray right now. Whatever has made it possible for cobwebs of fur that has made inactivity to make stillness to be a definition of your life. No more stillness, no more stillness, freshness from above in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. We give you honor and glory. Come on, let there be eruption right now. Cobwebs in this city. Cobwebs in the spiritual life of people. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. No more. I bind every spirit of cobweb. Every cobweb spirit that has covered and has made life to be stale, life to have remained uninterested by the power in the name of Jesus no more cobweb spirit thank you father in Jesus mighty name we pray second Timothy chapter 3 verse 13 and we pray that prayer and then as the Lord lays on our heart we just quickly pray just agree with people here in prayer but evil men and impostors, will grow worse and worse deceiving and being deceived. don't worry I will tell you what I need from there Your prayer will be, I shall not be deceived because I'm not a deceiver. (laughs) And wherever the enemy has tried to manipulate you to not be so straightforward, the Lord will take that away. No, some of us are not very straight. They will be going and they say they are... They know they won't turn up. They say, it's likely I will turn up. But they know you have an appointment at that time. God doesn't like it. But when you confess that you are not a deceiver, by the special grace of God, you will not be a deceiver anymore. Those that will be deceived by those that are deceiving, you say, deceiving and being. No matter how much you had what you have had, if you yourself you are a deceiver, you will be deceived though. Because you are playing the familiar territory of the enemy. You cannot sit behind the poker table and not expect somebody to deal I don't gamble, but uh, I've had, I've had them really, I read all sorts of useless things. I went, I said, what do, what, do, what do they do when they do this gambling? we got to pray. You will not be deceived. Amen. I say one more time, none of us shall be deceived. Amen. And the basis for that is that you yourself, you are not a deceiver. Amen. So you declare in the name of Jesus. I declare, I decree, I pronounce it that I shall not be deceived because I'm not a deceiver in the name of Jesus. Lift up your voices and call on the name of the Lord quickly. You shall not be deceived. I shall not be deceived. Every attempt to deceive me shall fail. Men shall not deceive me. You know, demons shall not deceive me. Try the will, but they will not succeed. Deception shall not operate in my life. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. If you know that for some reason, choir just minister in the background for us, it's going to be a very quick one, I believe. Sometimes God gives us this opportunity to just minister and touch people's lives as he works. What the Lord laid on my heart number two, number one is there are two of them, sorry speak faster than uh, number one you are emotionally drained and genuinely so I'm not talking about all of us we do have all this up and down emotionally that's life but you know that you are the end of your thetas as they say sincerely you know that you are emotionally drained as the Lord says that he wants to he wants to um, revive you he wants to kick start you again he wants to give you a new beginning and the only thing that I would do just you know standing in agreement with you um, just a touch of the hand, and as you apply your faith you will begin to see a lifting in your spirit emotional you know exhaustion will be a thing of the past and you will receive rejuvenation as we go into this new week If you're in that category, just quickly come forward. Just quickly come forward. Once again, there are people who uh, you don't need to come forward. I will just send word unto you over there. You know, there's this issue of backache, you know, for people, very low backache. The Lord just brought that back again. Day, week in, week out, and he's been doing it. He wants to do it again. Because there's a freshness that will come upon these ones that have come out, I'm believing God that, you know, the beginning of this week, you will begin to have fantastic testimonies. Uh, the first thing will be that you feel a lifting in your soul. Just as I lay hands upon you briefly, please go on quiet.